Writerly Bites podcast, where you'll get bite-sized tips for making your writing and your writing life better. I'm Blair Hurley, and I'm a novelist and creative writing instructor. You can find more about me and my novel, Minor Profits, at BlairHurley.com, and you can find me on Twitter at BHurley. You can follow news about the podcast on Twitter at Writerly Bites. So listeners, it's great to be back. I know the podcast has taken a hiatus this year as I've been busy uh, traveling and promoting my latest novel, Minor Profits. I've had a lot going on, but I've missed creating tips and stories for you on the podcast. So I'm dedicated to getting back on track and, and posting new episodes for you. So I want to start with an interview I recorded last month with uh, an incredible novelist, Rachel Cantor, who has a new book out. And uh, we, we recorded this interview about a month ago when her latest book came out. So we'll start with Rachel's tips. Rachel Cantor is the author of the novels Half-Life of a Stolen Sister, produced by Soho Press in 2023, Good on Paper, by Melville House in 2016, and A Highly Unlikely Scenario, published by Melville House in 2014. Two dozen of her stories have been published in the Paris Review, One Story, Ninth Letter, Kenyan Review, New England Review, and elsewhere. She has written about fiction for National Public Radio, The Guardian, Publishers Weekly, and other publications. She lives in Brooklyn, New York, where she is writing a series of middle grade and young adult books set in Manhattan's Lower East Side. So here's my conversation with Rachel Cantor. So I'm speaking with Rachel Cantor, who uh, just wrote her, her most recent book, Half-Life of a Stolen Sister, which is, uh, should be out and available by the time this podcast is out. Uh, and thank you so much for joining me, Rachel. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. You're the first podcast of my podcast season, so I'm very excited. <laughs> Terrific. I'm glad to be the first. And for this podcast, we really just like to focus in on uh, the practical, the actionable. Um, so, Rachel, what is your favorite tip that you like to share with writers? Something that can, you know, get them writing today or improve their writing today? Well, <clears throat> I know I probably shouldn't make this confession in public, but I'm not much of a storyteller. Um, I often have a beginning and sometimes something like an ending in mind when I want to write a novel, but I have no idea how to get there. The, the middle of books is very forbidding to me. So what I've done, as it happens for all three of my published books, is to borrow a structure from elsewhere. Um, hmm. My first book, so you know, this is this is not a tip for absolutely everybody because there are lots of natural storytellers out there or people who, for whom this is not at all relevant, but um, I know that there are other people out there like me. So for book on, for Good on Paper, which was my first novel, not mm -hmm. the first published, but the first one I wrote, um, I borrowed a structure in the most complicated way possible. I mapped an early work of Dante against the hero's journey and applied what I considered to be its seven key moments or structural turning points, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, you would never want to probably do anything quite so complicated as what I did, although it was very helpful for me. This last book, Half-Life of a Stolen Sister, is about the Bronte family. And so it borrows, I guess, what you would call the most defined structure imaginable. It borrows a biography. Oh. So with biography, 
<laughs> you almost always know what's going to happen next, right? Of course, you can play with that somewhat, or uh, you don't have to obviously include everything that's in a biography, but basically, you know what the plot is. Um, if you're a plot challenge, like I am, of course, you can also borrow from history. You know, you can be Shakespeare, you can be, um, you can be Hilary Mantel, you can borrow from a uh, earlier work of literature, like James Joyce did, or Marie Myung Oak Lee did recently when she wrote a new version of, of Mice and Men. Mm. Um, oh, I didn't know there was a new version of Mice and Men. Oh my gosh, well, it's a YA version, and it's told from the perspective of a Korean-American girl and it um yeah it's yeah it's ya and so it, it 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 makes some key changes of course but the structure the idea the the basic the basic plot is borrowed um so um the 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 structure you borrow the structure that you borrow though of course it's just it's going to be like a, a jumping off point it's not going to give you a complete outline even if you wanted one which i never do mm -hmm. it's not even going to give you kind of a clear path what it's going to do is give you kind of a container with which you can ask lots and lots of guiding questions about how to understand that that borrowed source material so for me you know i had lots and lots of these these guiding questions when i decided to write about the brontes starting with um who should tell this story? Mm -hmm. Because Half-Life of a Stolen Sister uses lots and lots of narrators, uh, both within the family and externally. Oh, really? This was a question I had to ask myself again and again as I read through the, the journals and the letters and the, the novels and the bi biographies. Who is best positioned to tell about this, to tell the story of this particular event mm -hmm. or to, to describe this incredibly important moment in the family life? So that's one question that um, that you might have to ask yourself: Who should tell the story? Mm -hmm. um, also, and what you do know, you consider the most essential parts of a biography as a story? What are the points that you felt? Oh like well, I mean, it would have to depend mm -hmm. on the biography, the, the people that you're writing about. And you know, in my yeah. case, again, you know, there's lots of things you have to leave things out. And I guess that was going to be my next point: is what do you include? Because right. there's much more than you can include, and you have to, to you will have to decide what the story is that you're going to tell based on that biography. So, mm -hmm. you know, in my case, it was especially challenging because I wanted to tell the story of a whole family and not just one person. Right. You know, Charlotte Bronte uh, survives all of her brothers and sisters by the time she's 33. Five of them have died. So, at a certain point in the book, she is the sole remaining family member aside from her father, hmm. but for a large part of the book, at least half of it anyway, all those family members are important and I wanted to tell all of their stories. So necessarily there's stuff you leave out. And you know, I'm not sure what kind of analytical process I might've used. I was reading those materials and when something, when something struck me as important, I would mull it over and consider whether it was something that belonged in this book. And you know, there are things that probably were important that I just didn't include for whatever reason, either reasons I decided upon or reasons that were made for me in my unconscious. I don't, you know, I can't always be sure about that distinction. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, in some cases it had to do with, you know, my third question, which is, what do you do when the evidence is scant or the, the source material has gaps? Oh, yeah. Um, as there certainly was, you know, in the case of um, the Bronte family, because... You know, depending on the on the sibling, depending on the person, there was more or less information kind of 
original source material available. So mm -hmm. you have to look at those gaps and decide how you're going to deal with that. That could also be the case in a novel that you're riffing off of. You may decide that there's a whole piece that's missing in that original material that you need to fill in, right? Or that you need to expand on or that you need to eliminate because it's not relevant to your story. So these are all questions that you'll ask if you decide to use some given structure, some given material. Um, in my case, there were some really specific questions that are related to my project in particular. For example, again, I used lots of narrators, so I was continually asking, who tells this story now? Mm -hmm. I also used a lot of forms, so I had to decide which form will best, you know, suit this particular moment or this event. Yeah. And I brought the characters to a time and place like our own. So I had to also think about equivalence. You know, what what is the equivalent if 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 um, Charlotte Bronte, for example, was able to get a teaching job, having been school homeschooled and attended formal schooling for 18 months and never having gone to university, I can't, I can't give her that job now, right? So what right. is the equivalent? What is a, a viable equivalent that will still, that can still carry the emotional weight or the, the importance or the, the contours of that work? Mm -hmm. um, it seems so like writing historical fiction has this element of making making sure that it's a living history not yeah. capturing the past, but enlivening yes. the story for the, for, for the present. Yeah. Yes, well, and in this case, the book takes place in the current day, so it's not even really historical fiction, right. although we have historical characters there. There's a, a strange tension in the book between that fact, the historical figures plus a contemporary setting. They don't mm -hmm. shed all of their historical trappings, really. There's something still kind of old-fashioned about them, their diction, their mores, and, but they mm -hmm. are in a current time. So there's lots and lots of questions that you'll have to ask yourself and it will depend on your project. And so I guess all this by way of saying that if you borrow a structure, it can help you with, it can buoy you, it can help you move from moment to moment, event to event, it can give a shape to your book, which I sorely needed um, or felt I did anyway in writing my first books, but it's not gonna answer all your questions. It's just gonna raise a lot of questions, hmm. but for me, those questions help give me the courage, the courage and the 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 energy and the the conviction to to move on and and to move kind of methodically through this vast material and, and decide what to do with it. I love that I, that idea so much because absolutely sometimes writers feel like they have to invent the wheel or invent something from scratch and really creativity is often about pairing things together that have yes. never together before yes juxtapositions and yeah and and bringing your own kind of crazy associations to things and and mm -hmm. and so on but yes i maybe maybe one of these days i will write an adult novel that doesn't that doesn't have a without the guidance of a, of a, of a borrowed structure but i i i i worry for myself if i tried i just feel like <laughs> i would be overwhelmed by the um by the job of, of figuring out, and I don't know how I don't know how authors do it. I don't. You know, I love it as an idea. There's nothing wrong with it. I think it's great. Yeah. And like one of my favorite recent reads was um, Lan Samantha Shang's *The Family Chow*, which was a oh, retelling yeah. of the brothers Karamazov. Which oh, is like, I haven't read that. What a great thing! One of my favorite, not classic novels. And so it was just so interesting yeah. to see her modern day take on it. And yes. she brought in elements of immigration and race and 
It was just yes. great. So yeah, I love this idea. I think it's a great one for writers to think about grafting their story onto an existing structure. Thank you. I love that 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 image grafting. I mean, that really is that really is that really does capture it. It's like you take a foreign idea and you kind of you not quite foreign, but you take an external idea and you 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 merge it with something that 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 gives it kind of well structure it gives you yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. I think that's a tremendously useful tip for our listeners and everyone. Please do check out her latest novel, Half-Life of a Stolen Sister. Uh, it sounds fascinating. I can't wait to read it myself. And thank congratulations, so Rachel, as well. <laughs> I would love to hear from any of your listeners who who do something or have done something similar or choose to do something similar. I'd like to, I just love to be in conversation with folks who who who've taken this challenge and and what they've learned what they've decided to do and how they yeah absolutely and if i get any listener feedback on that i'll definitely pass it on to you thanks for appearing on the show my pleasure blair thank you that was rachel cantor and that was my conversation with her the, this week's book recommendation is of course rachel's latest book half-life of a stolen sister Thanks so much for listening. The Writerly Bites podcast will be back with micro tips to make your writing better. It's produced by me, Blair Hurley. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and visit the website at writerlybites.com. Email me at writerlybitespodcast at gmail.com with your favorite tips or questions about the writing life, which I'd love to tackle in future episodes.